Mayfield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Reno's in, Vegas is here, Don Montobel's here, it's Cofield, Damon is running the show. 69187 is our Finley Kia text line, 69187, keyword is ESPN. Things to react to from hour number one, the latest on the Pac-12, which appears on the TV front to be all streaming, and the main carrier would be Apple. Would you be cool with that? And what's the basic case scenario for UNLV, athletics, the school? Do you want the Pac-12 to completely fall apart and then have a bolstered Mountain West Conference? And maybe that would actually be the fifth conference for at least a couple of years, sort of Power 5 or... Do you want to see Pac-12 kind of hold together but still need like three, four schools? You know, some exits, but not that the whole thing doesn't fall apart. So you can react to that, 69187. Also, uh, we both melted down to a certain extent on the U.S. women's soccer team last night, being really happy to play to a draw. That's right. And then Carly Lloyd, a former player on the team, was like, this is ridiculous. I've never seen anything like that. That's not the reaction you should have after a poorly played game. And... You can also react to another hour one topic, 69187, keyword ESPN, and that is the Dodgers traded for Detroit's Eduardo Rodriguez. He turned them down. They consummated the deal, and he said, nope, I don't want to go to the Dodgers. What? 69187. Big four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. You're a big fan of the uh, Brad Powers Tour 25 college football stadiums in like five days trip that he does every year. Yeah. Right? Has some good stories out of it. Anyone else picking up on this? Apparently. So a, uh, a TikToker who appears to have some loyalty to Louisville. Louisville. Um, went to LNN Stadium. LNN. Broke in. Walked around in the stands. Went down to the field. The difference is he streamed it live. This is a problem. Brad Powers should probably fight this guy because he's giving recognition to what Brad's whole bit is. I would really like to quiz Brad on like next summer if the rate. I want him. I wonder. He's a big. He's a big numbers guy, much like me. I don't know if I told you guys, but I'm, I'm modeling now, right? So I wonder if he keeps track of which arenas and stadiums have locks on them that he can't get into. And I want that converted into a rate in which, you know, a success rate. And I wonder if the success rate goes up or down next summer when he goes on the trip. Is that, after you, is that why day. you sent the story, just to set up another premise for your modeling? Yeah, I can, I, Brad, I'll throw a model together for you. That's Number it. Three. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Damon looked at me. He's like, we're not getting sucked into this. League modeler across the way. Go check out his uh, Z account. Is that what it's called? Twitter account? Z. Z account. Pronounce Z. And they're Zeets. Zeets are the things, yes, that you send out. I'll Z, 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 Z. They're just post, actually. Add me, JVT. Oh, now they're just post. Okay. Did you read Adam Hill's column? You know, he's a columnist now. (laughs) Much like I'm a modeler now, he's a columnist now. Uh, The tone of the column was, leave Josh Jacobs alone on social media, and especially do not tag him. I was like, I throw out a lot of ridiculous stuff and try to legislate behavior. After I read it, I was like, they're fans. If they want to tag him and he wants to be on social media, whether you agree with you know, him being an enemy to some fans, I mean, why can't they tag him? Who sets these rules? Can I say really quickly, 
Uh, Adam's a good writer because the whole time I read this column, I just heard Adam talking to me. Yeah. Especially there's a point where he mentions fans like saying one guy saying like you should just shut up and play. It's like this is how it works, and I heard it like exactly uh, the way he's done it. He's done it like ten times <laughs> on our show. It's brilliant. What a, by the way, what a benefit for newspaper people to have this as a sounding board. They can try it out here and then write a column two weeks later. As Stu Gotts would say, radio, sports radio, still has a lot of value. Especially for you writers. Right. Looking down, you're schnazola at us all the time. Much like I backtest my models, you can come on the air, you can test out theories. This is getting creepier than Adam Candy's. Have you got uh, any buzz on these models? Have the like oh, the no, no, of the industry no. reached out to you? Please. Please. Uh, all right. Please. I'll keep the bit going. I mean, this is Adam. This is what he talks about. This is what he does. I would agree with the premise that I don't... Because I think when you read it, it for the first off, it comes off as just like, hey, these athletes just don't want their mentions filled up with conversations between right. two randos. He, I think, gets to the crux of the issue, which is more like, you don't have to tweet at Josh Jacobs and tell him... I mean... Shut up and suck it up, man. Like You know, the more I think about it, what is Josh Jacobs, aside from sitting out and um, protecting his health, what is he accomplishing? Nothing's I mean, going to come out of this. Well, is he gonna, he's going to get a couple of incentives like Barkley did. Listen, I'm on his side, and I'm all for Like, sit out the whole freaking season. I, I always want to fight back on employers and the powers that be. But, like, there can be fans who think logically, and they're like, dude, what are you doing? Let's try to have a winning season here. Make sure you're at optimal level. Get in the camp. Sure. I mean, and you know what? It's, and it doesn't help him, obviously, which is, you know, the guys that were fighting with him all yeah. kind of fell off one by one. You know, Saquon Barkley signed his deal. We know what's going on with Pollard. Now, the biggest um, name he's got fighting alongside him is Jonathan Taylor. And that's a little bit of a different situation because he's you know, demanding a trade and just doesn't want to be part of the organization anymore because Taylor wasn't helping him initially by just reporting. As everybody said, like, Taylor's in the last year of a deal. Probably shouldn't have even shown up this year. So I commend him, like you said, for fighting the fight. But it's it's Jon Snow. What, what battle is it? You know, drawing the sword with all the horses charging at him. What's battle the point? Bastards. There you go. Thank you. What's the point? Number two. I did not expect a Battle of the Bastards reference. It's a good one. Uh, you and I are in line with this one. It's not always the case on this show. We all have different philosophies when it comes to the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Uh, you are amped that teams sitting around 500 or just above it are adding. While there are several others who are like, we give up. Right. I mean, not, not only adding, because I think the Cubs and Angels are, are very similar. It's not just adding, Steve. It's saying, no, screw that. We know we have good assets that many teams would want. Cubs have Stroman, Bellinger. No. We've won enough games. We're within shooting distance here. Not only are we not selling, we're buying. We're going for it. We want to maximize our window. We want to give our fans something to watch down the stretch here. And the other thing, and I, I actually I got to talk with uh, uh, Paul Sporer, who does a lot of Major League Baseball stuff. He's a good uh, Twitter personality if you want to follow him. But he brought up a great point, too, which is like in today, like not even just today's day and age, but like, we generally think these gaps, right, three games behind, four games behind, five games behind, are like these massive chasms that they can't leap across. Yeah. Three games, which both the Cubs and Angels are back in their right. respective wildcard races, it's a hot week, and you're yep. and you're in. I mean, the Angels just last night, after beating the Braves, they just left the New York Yankees. Like, the, you can do this. It's only three games. Yeah, I, I don't get the constant rebuild. And I also, I, I mean, I, I guess... I don't know what why why Arizona at fifty seven and fifty added a closer and tries to improve the team. Seattle at fifty five and fifty one bails. Yep. What? I, I just don't get don't, it. I, no, neither do I. Like I, you know, I liken it to this. They're never going to win. They have no shot. What do you mean they have no shot? 
If you're above 500 and within six games of getting into the playoffs, you have a shot, and it has been proven over the years that from the wild card spots, big things can be done. Of course. See it all the time. Remember when the Cardinals, was it two years ago, the Cardinals won like 14 straight games and got their way into the playoffs? It was ridiculous what they did. I just, I'm, I'm, so, I'm a big fan of kind of just keeping on the path. You know, when my model wasn't working out and all the numbers weren't adding up right, you know what Lordy. I did? I kept going to YouTube. I kept reading books, and I kept firing away. And eventually I got there. Cubs and Angels can do it too. Number one. The Dodgers were rejected by Eduardo Rodriguez. As far as I see right now, the Yankees have added Spencer Howard. Made one other deal. Did you see what the other deal was? And I've lost it. It was another tweaking deal. Nothing major. Yeah, nothing crazy. So, uh, uh, oh, uh, Keenan Middleton, former Angels Middleton. reliever. Yep. yep, your guy Middleton. So yesterday we had a, a nice debate, I thought, between Danielle McCartan, who works for WFAN in New York, and Adam Candy. Candy is absolutely a Yankees fan. I think McCartan is as well. This was Candy at the beginning of the hour before we got into the debate, and he just kind of dropped the hammer, and he's like, Yankees can't do it. Sell. Sell everything that's not nailed to the floor. And I know the Yankees don't have a lot to sell, but you cannot realistically look at this roster and think that it has any chance to do anything in the postseason. And you got to set up Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole for next year with a team that is not as hobbled as this one. Sell everything that's not nailed to the floor. I know they don't have a lot to give up. Then 15 seconds later, you got to set up the team next year for their two big guys. Set them up with what? Right. The guys you're trading that have no value? I didn't get it. And then we put out the video. You know, as I'm doing the show, sometimes I forget kind of the body language and stuff that was going on on video. It was a it was a very, uh, I'll call it spirited debate between McCartan, who said Yankees have a chance if they can add, especially a, you know, some help in left field. Yankees have a chance. And then Candy went with the same theme of you can't realistically look at this roster and think they have any shot. I don't know. They're, they're what, three and a half games out, <laughs> and like you know, because I watched Judge the video. Judge was out. Uh, Stanton was out. He hasn't gotten it back yet. Uh, if those guys stay healthy and get going, and then they they do have a bunch of other dudes who have track records of being pretty good. Sure. They've all underachieved. The pitching staff, that one, I don't know if adding Middleton alone and Howard is going to help the pitching staff. The, the staff has to get better, but they, those are guys who also have a track record. They just haven't pitched well. It's a lot of underachieving folks who have to get it together for the last 55 games. Do you give them a chance, or do you bail? You give them a chance. Because, again, it's not like you're seven games out. You're right there. You barely just got passed by the Angels. You, you, were, you were the second team out of the wild card the entire time. Why not keep going? I don't, I don't understand this mentality. And the other thing I think the, the really big, like because I watched the video, the flaw in his, his entire theory is he kept, he kept offering, like, ah, you know, this lineup for the last few months has been terrible. Like, hmm, have they been missing something, someone important over the last few months? I can't really think of it. Is it arguably the yeah. best hitter in baseball at Aaron Judge? Like, 60 homer guys out. Right. Like, I just didn't really understand the argument against it, and I just don't understand it overall. Like, you're there. Go for it. Try. Buy. We have we have a camp at the station and on the show. I know Bischoff is a you know bail and build. Adam Hill is absolutely a bail and build, and I don't think Candy's a bail and build all the time. But in this case, just looks at it and is like, hey, they haven't won to this point. They're not going to win. And I will be very fair because I have been on that side before. 
but it's been more in sports like football when if you dig yourself a big enough hole more than likely you're not getting out of it so once you cross a threshold then it benefits you to just kind of just tank it out and go see if you can get something especially when there's a game or franchise changing pieces at the top but like when you're selling off in baseball it's like cool got this guy at double a that hit two 245 last year he's showing some good pop and he's got some good, good zip like it's what are we doing you mentioned something earlier too in the notes you sent over my model do the do fans matter do those fans who've been paying all season for your ridiculously priced tickets and your TV packages, you're not going to give them 55 games to close the season where you try? I don't matter. Isn't this about making money, too, and selling tickets? I mean, anytime you're not officially a behemoth and going to win a title, you just you bail for the final 35% of the season? What? I mean, I think people will go out to see Keenan Middleton. Got a live arm. Nice move I actually like him. I think I, I, I said earlier, I don't think it's going to fix everything <laughs> they need, but he is I, a good arm. I, I No, I would agree. Like I said, one of the main things I mentioned, too, with the Angels, even if they don't make it, there's there's many things that come from buying if you're the Angels. Otani-related, all that. But it keeps... Well, you know, I'm an Angels fan. You know the last time I actually tried to keep up with the team on a day-to-day basis post-trade deadline? It's been a long time. Because every year they sell. It's fun when a team tries. It's awesome. I'm I'm living and dying by every single game for the first time in a long time. Last night, ridiculously excited for what, game 103, where they go into Atlanta and win. It it means something. This hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Give uh, Justin or Matt a call. If you need advice, you need help, call from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400. So we're going to start looking at the Raiders' schedule. We'll go back to front, preview the teams they're playing this year, but uh, the Colts game's coming up towards the end of the season. There's a lot of news around the Colts. It's one of the biggest stories in the NFL right now. Kevin Bowen covers the Colts for the fan in Indianapolis. He joins Cofield and company here in Vegas. How are you, sir? Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, we're good. We're, we're good. This is a crazy story with Jonathan Taylor, and it's, it's a camp that was already full you know, of uh, – some interesting stories with uh, you know new regime starting, maybe a new quarterback out there from game one. So give me the vibe. What's the vibe at camp as now this Jonathan Taylor Ursay thing is kind of blown sky high? Yeah, I would say uh, a little days of our lives. Journal Hospital, insert your favorite soap opera here. Um, it's pretty much turned into kind of like a seventh grade relationship played out in front of all of us. Um, it's pretty rare for the Colts to have such a public contract dispute playing out here, but that's where we're at right now. Social media is involved. Taylor's agents involved. Like you said, Ursay and Taylor are involved. Uh, it's pretty wild considering this is a dude that by all accounts, extreme character and you know, side of the building. He's got his, you know, whatever, his fat head or his, you know, picture plastered on Lucas Oil Stadium. So um, this is where you're at. And, you know, it's quite the uh, first impression for Anthony Richardson to witness. You mentioned one of the angles we definitely want to hit on here, and that is the agent for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, we're probably one of the few shows in the country outside of Indy that know anything about Malky Kawa because we covered a lot of his days in the UFC. And I always thought he was a buffoon and a clown and immature and infantile, and I am blown away that he has risen to the level that he's repping a top-five running back in the league. What do you know about this guy? And, and maybe I'm all wrong. Maybe he's matured and he's a super agent now. Yeah, um, I would say that description, are those are the exact words I would use <laughs> in strictly judging him off his social media presence over the last week. Yep. 
Um, it is unbelievable to me that he's acted in this way. Again, I'm not going to pretend to be very deep in the MMA, UFC world, but to those people that have reached out to me, like, you know, I guess in a way you kind of just did, it sounds like his reputation um, certainly is in you know, this type of behavior, if yep. you will. Yep. Uh, he also reps Shaquille Leonard, which is, you know, former Darius Leonard. I mean, that's one of the cool, more important players as well. So, I mean, there's certainly history there. To be fair, those are, like, really the only big, big clients he has from an NFL sense. I think maybe Titus Howard is the other one, but it's not like it's CAA or some of these other mega agencies. But, again, I mean, this is a seventh-grade relationship being played out in front of all of us. And, you know, yes. Um, you know, Kawa's actions on Twitter certainly are there, but, you know, let's not absolve Jim Mercer either from some things that, you know, have kind of ignited. you you got to read the room while you might think that what you're saying is not impactful to Jonathan Taylor. Running backs are in a pretty fragile state right now around the NFL, and you got to realize anything you say um, is likely going to be interpreted in several different ways. So it is, um, it, 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 it's just crazy right now that, again, a player that, you know, you drafted in the second round, you traded up for, you know, Chris Ballard, their GM, has been adamantly like, I don't care the positions you play. If you're good at football, I will pay you. And now they've taken a rather hard stance and saying they're not going to pay Taylor. Um, it's just pretty wild how it's all unfolded. Kevin Bowen with us, host reporter for the fan out there in Indy. Uh, so, Kevin, I'm curious, like, why not just do something here? Because I guess this is more ego than anything, but – why not just look around? Look, look, man. We don't have a lot of money in our quarterback position. Why don't we just do this in good faith and pay the guy? Because it's not like you know we're still in our rookie window with Anthony Richardson. Obviously, like they have the means to do it. Why not just extend the olive branch, pay the guy? Because you're not going to be in a terrible position three years down the road. Because even if Anthony Richardson works out from a contract standpoint, that won't kick in for a while. Yeah, I think it's an outstanding point to make. And, you know, I I think you look at it a couple ways. Is this the right approach for NFL teams to take? I.e., don't pay. You know, big time running backs, major money. Yeah, I think that. I think you know a lot of us, and I know you guys are dealing with one out there. But I think that that checks out when you consider the shelf life of these guys, especially when you talk about a guy that maybe doesn't impact the game on third down as much, coming off an injury, et cetera, et cetera. But you also can live in reality, and you just kind of painted the picture. I mean, you are talking about a quarterback unlike any other that you just drafted number four overall. There is nobody that has been a first round pick over the last X amount of years that has anywhere near the resume that Anthony Richardson has. And you've got to make sure that you support him. If you shortcut, if you skimp on skill players, mm-hmm. you could cost, you know, the development period of him when it's a very fragile state. You know, this time last year, everyone was still making fun of Jacksonville for how they operated in the offseason, what they paid to Christian Kirk, what they paid to Zay Jones, what they paid to Evan Ingram. But what Doug Peterson and them said is, guys, we have a very – shaky quarterback in the terms of how he just was handled during his rookie season. If we don't get him right right now, the franchise is going to be set back, you know, five years or insert a number here. And so I, I think that's what you have to factor in. And that's probably, honestly, Taylor's greatest leverage is if for some reason um, they move on from Taylor or, again, the Colts are trying to play hardball here, Taylor can say, all right, where's your support? Is the cupboard stock? You know, Jim Mercer brought up Marshall Falk and Edron James, who paid many references the other night. And he's right. They won a whole lot after they moved on from Falk and after they moved on from Edron. What he failed to mention was, I mean, they also had Marvin Harrison and Tara Glenn when they moved on from Falk. And then when they moved on from Edron, they still had Marvin. They still had Tara Glenn. They also had Reggie Wayne and Dallas Clark and Jeff Saturday. And they, they drafted running backs in the first round 
after moving on from those guys, each of those instances, Edger and James the first time around, and then Joseph and I the second time around. So that does not apply here. You look at the Colts' skill players, and it's a lot of who. And that's difficult, I think, when you're trying to develop Richardson. So you brought up leverage. Has Taylor's leverage increased with what's been going on in Colts' camp at the running back position? Let people know what happened to Zach Moss and what's been going on, because now all of a sudden I was reading your write-up earlier today. The, the battle for the third-string running back could now become the battle for the starter if this thing goes on? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, Zach Moss broke his arm um, yesterday in practice, so he's going to be out uh, upwards of six weeks. That puts, obviously, the opener in jeopardy. Um, you know, Moss, a former third-round pick, they got actually in the trade for Naeem Hines last year, so the running back carousel kind of, kind of continues there. But, you know, I, I watched Moss go down on Monday, I guess that would have been, and I walked you know, kind of away from the scene and thought to myself, okay, is that leverage for Taylor or leverage for the Colts? One could look at it and say, well, if you're the Colts, you just point to Zach Moss injury and say, oh, that's why we don't pay running back because they just get hurt a ton. And then if you're Taylor, you can say, hey, that guy just got hurt. Read off the depth chart behind him. There's nobody, you know, from a, you know, notable standpoint behind Zach Moss. So I, I can look at it several ways. Um, again, Taylor seems to be pretty dug in the stand. We have this, like, awkward reported back injury that seemingly Ursay has leaked to some members of the media. Taylor denied it the other night. It, it, is, it is wild. I know the Indianapolis Colts are not maybe the national name uh, right now in the NFL, but for those paying attention to the story, it is straight soap opera drama that's been played out here. Kevin Bowen is up on... Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas. He's the host of the morning show on uh, The Fan in Indianapolis. Obviously, our other big tie to the Colts, aside from uh, a flunky agent who used to do MMA stuff and still does, uh, is Shane Steichen, who's a former UNLV quarterback. So, um, you know, under normal circumstances, we'd have three or four questions on Steichen. Give me your early impression of Shane Steichen as he makes this big step up. Yeah, I would say intense, uh, heavily football detailed, um, not much there, uh, at least that he wants to offer right now about anything other than all ball. I mean, he is all ball. Um, I think you'll feel Steichen's presence probably a little bit more on Sunday afternoon. Um, I do think his track record from calling plays for, for Justin Herbert's rookie season, even the final year, I think it was the final year that Rivers was with the Chargers and then Herbert's rookie year and then the way he was Jalen Hurts the past couple of years, it's pretty strong. Um, and, and certainly he is not afraid to kind of cater to a little bit more of a Saturday offense, be open-minded to the college game, and that's, I think very critical um, to Anthony Richardson and his development there. Um, so I do think if you're going to make – I don't think you hire Shane Steichen if, for example, Rich Passaccio was one of the other you know main candidates there or Jeff Saturday or Raheem Morris. I'm trying to think of some of the other non-offensive candidates that they interviewed and even brought in for second interviews. Um, if you're going to take a swing for the fences with Richardson, a guy with the track record of Steichen – I think does make sense in trying to reach the immense ceiling that is there for him. So, again, he's a guy that obviously his offensive brain has been well-respected around the league with a variety of different styles of quarterbacks and Rivers and Herbert and also Jalen Hurts. Uh, but certainly um, he's got uh, he's been received quite the introduction to the NFL with the Johnson-Taylor situation and then obviously the development of Richardson. When Steichen took the job, I threw out – you know, I don't know if I'd want my first NFL job to be working for Ursay. He's kind of kooky. You've covered Ursay for a long time. Can you counter that and say, you know, he's, he's a pretty good owner. He's actually a good guy to work for. 
you know, last year there was a lot of meddling from Ursay. I did think it was a bit out of character, but I mean, how he fucked a guy off TV that he really likes and Jeff Saturday and then wanted yeah. Sam Ellinger to start seemingly out of the blue. Um, you know, Ursay is a very eccentric dude. I, was Cookie the word that you used? That, that, you know, that's probably not too far off either. Maybe I'm being a little bit too right. correct with my, with my answer. Um, you know, I think if you take the pulse of the fan base here in the market, all in all, they appreciate him as an owner. They feel like you compare him to the other 31 owners, and his football mind is probably at the top, if not, or near the top, if not at the top of all owners. But certainly, um, there's some moments where you're like, what? Why? What did you just say? You know, those sorts of things yeah. that uh, understandably frustrate the fan base. And again, when you get involved, when there's an element of meddling, I think that's when people get really, really frustrated with it all. But clearly you needed an injection of life into your franchise. It's the team that kind of did the revolving door thing at quarterback over the last handful of years since Lux retirement. And it was time to get modern. It was time to try and join kind of the rest of the AFC with, you know, where you're at in terms of getting young, getting dual threat, those sorts of things. So the Colts have dipped their toes in that water, and we'll see how it works out. Last 15 seconds, we got a hard break coming up. Over, under, win total, six and a half. What are you leaning towards? Uh, is Taylor out for the year? Or is Taylor gone? Um, mm. That's a big one for me. I, I, I hover around six or seven if if Taylor is healthy. Kevin, appreciate the spot. Glad to see you're doing well, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. Yes, thanks, guys. Wish he had fired back. I'm never talking to you guys again. So. <laughs> I'm already looping him in for the next conversation. All right, second half of the show is here. Cofield and company in Reno on ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. John Montobel is here. We were just talking, as we do often during the breaks. Well, we actually don't talk a lot during breaks, but we were mentioning a TV show, Hijack. So I will be done with it soon, although I didn't oh, know. So that's that, a show. I yeah, I didn't know that it was episode by episode. I thought I could binge the whole thing. I actually like when this happens, but I haven't caught up. Um, I'm in the middle of the season, and it started to drag, and then DeMond said he's a couple episodes ahead, and he thought the last episode was the finale only to find out that it wasn't, which doesn't sound like the show is going in the right direction. So, But I'll stick with it. I'll stick with it. I like the cast. It's a, it's a really good cast. Guess what? It's about a hijacking. Spoiler. That's right. I kind of wonder how do you, um, how do you kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, drag? How do you drag uh, a lot, in a show a, about a hijack? Because a lot of things can happen. There's a lot of people conspiring on the plane. Uh, you also have, it's, it's not one person doing the hijacking. It's multiple. So I, I thought the beginning was very interesting. The way they set it up, they show all these different people getting on the plane. And you're like, that's a hijacker. That's a hijacker. That is, that is, that is. What's that lady? What? She has a look on her face. What's her deal? Like, and then they're, I don't know. I'm, I don't want to spoil it. So give it a watch. We're all about Apple TV now because uh, I've heard, I'm, I'm personally rooting for the Pac-12 to stay together in some form or fashion, have an Apple TV deal, and then be able to invite three or four Mountain West Conference teams. But we'll see how that plays out. So the Colts. Kevin Bowen kind of hemmed and hawed. I made a good point at the end when I asked him. And the interview was awesome. He hemmed and hawed on the over-under at six and a half. He's right. It kind of is a big deal if Jonathan Taylor and his agent, his flunky agent, uh, Malky <laughs> Kawa, like decide, hey, we're, just, we're not playing. Right. I mean, that changes the whole outlook for the team. I feel bad for Shane Steichen. I, there's no way Jim Ursay told him straight out, because I don't even think Ursay thought this way. Uh, you know, it's one thing. When Steichen's walking into a job, if you tell him, hey, we don't know what the future is of Jonathan Taylor. Right. But it's another. You think he told him, we are not paying Jonathan Taylor, and I'm going public with it. Well, and I'm going to crap on him. Well, I mean, if you're Steichen right now, you're like, this is my first job? And that's why I asked Kevin Bowen. I'm like, is he a good guy to work for? Because I would not want to work for him. I mean, 
setting the bar at, well, he's better than a lot of other owners. Eh, no. I'm a hot commodity. I'm the OC of the Eagles. Guess what the Eagles are going to be offensively this year? Ass kickers again. So I think Shane Steichen would have had his pick of jobs, and I I don't know, man. Or may, may, maybe part of Steichen or part of what uh, attracted Steichen is that he really loved Anthony Richardson, and they loved him, and it's like, hey, that's the quarterback. Because that, that is a factor, right? You go coach somewhere, you either want – a great established quarterback, or you get to work with the young guy that you pick. I think that's more part of it. I don't think he's like, I love Jonathan Taylor, and I'm going to Indianapolis. And I also think lost in all of this, which Bowen kind of referenced, is the fact that we were going to be fine. Like, everybody was going to be fine. Jonathan Taylor reported to camp. Nothing was really going on. And then the Zoom meeting of the running backs happened, and Jim Mersey was like, I don't like that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do, and he took gasoline and lit it all on fire, and now we're here. I mean, there were think pieces out there wondering why Jonathan Taylor was doing what he was doing and showing up in the first place, yeah. and now all of a sudden you're here. So like, I don't know if they were kind of coming into this going like, hey, look, this might come up. You know, maybe you you have some sort of plan, and like we're gonna tell you like, hey, he's not gonna if he if he doesn't report this, how we're gonna handle it. But it seemed like everything was gonna be fine that Taylor was gonna play on the expiring. I didn't see when. Uh Ursay dropped that quote. He, Kevin Bowen was saying that Ursay mentioned something about, hey, once Edger and James moved on and Falk moved on, we still won. <laughs> like, doesn't someone in the media have to counter? Jim, you had one of the three greatest quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. Yeah, you won because you had Peyton Manning. You're right. A top-notch running back is not that important or, you know, you can get someone to be productive when you have Peyton Manning and all the other weapons. How do you even allow him to say that? Or how did you not win a Super Bowl with two Hall of Fame running backs? That too. I mean, they won, they won one with Joseph Adai. And not enough. Well, that's the other. Actually, that's kind of crazy when you really think about it. Um, because you go back to the Super Bowl they won. You know who should have won Super Bowl MVP? Dominic Rhodes. <laughs> not yeah. the first-round running back that they drafted Joseph Adai. 3-6-4-11-100. Caller 7. We've got tickets to uh, USA Men's National Basketball Team playing Puerto Rico. It's coming up on Monday. You can grab your tickets at AXS.com. It's at T-Mobile, Monday, August 7th. Uh, national team includes players like Jalen Brunson, Halliburton, Brandon Ingram, Cameron Johnson, Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, you absolutely love him. 364-1100, caller 7 for the tickets. Yeah, all right. Big time's coming up. Big time's coming up. Sam Paniatovich is on the phone with Cofield and company, one of our gambling insiders. Sam, how you doing, buddy? Doing well, man. Getting ready to pack my bags. A little San Diego, Los Angeles, and then... Winding up in Las Vegas next week. How about that? Are you doing Delmar? Oh, yeah. I'm okay. scared. Why are you scared? Well, because I told Hill last week, Hill and JVT, I think we're hosting last week, and the, the problem with with the Delmar trip is you get guys like Hill who want to go to Tijuana at 1 in the morning, and that's always like a terrible idea. So I'm I'm scared about the possibilities, if you know what I mean. Hill's out. Oh. Yeah, I think he's out. Not sure. I think he's out. He was uh, he was using the Raiders schedule as an excuse, as he uh, he often does. But it is a reason why he can't do stuff. So we, we don't want to do excuse or reason. What are you doing in L.A.? So I got some uh, stuff to do with Fox. You know, I, I write for them uh, a couple times a week. All right. So yeah, man, I'm I'm boogieing. I'm leaving on Friday, and I'm not coming back till the following Sunday. And I'm going to do my best to do as little work as possible. But I am going to be doing interviews and stuff for Chicken Dinner, and uh, I'm sitting down with Roxy Roxborough, legendary better this year, and. You know, the usuals, the Tony Millers, the Chris Andrews, the Ed Salmons, all those guys. So um, it's, it's become an annual trip, and I thought I'd just tack Delmar on the front of it this time. What is Bet Bash? 
Uh, long story short, Bet Bash is uh, a, a conference thrown by professional better Spanky, who hails from your neck of the woods out in Jersey. And it started as sort of a networking event two years ago, and it was out in Atlantic City. Last year, they held Bet Bash 2 at uh, Circa, and now Bet Bash 3 is also at Circa. It's going to be about 600 to 700 people, from what I can gather, from all walks of the sports betting life. You've got pro bettors, you've got rec bettors, bookmakers, odds makers. Uh, quants, um, algorithm people, you know, media people. So it's basically uh, a, a collision of all different walks of life in the betting space, and it's now a four-day event at Circa. Oh, wow. And on the Friday, they have panels, and there are three different panels. Uh, one of the panels I'll actually be moderating. It's the Twitter panel, or as Matt Metcalf named it, can't we all just get along, panel, which will be uh, yours truly moderating the following animals. Darren Ravel, Dave Sherapin, Rob Pozzola, Jeff Benson, and Joey Kanish. And I don't, I don't know how I'm going to keep that thing on the rails. That sounds like fun. John, you've met Darren Ravel before, right? Pretty good guy? Um, I met Darren Ravel. He didn't make eye contact with me and you know, just kind of waved. So it was cool. Seems like a nice guy. Everyone get out and meet Darren Ravel. He's a little sweetheart. Can't wait. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Did you say you, you met him? He didn't make eye contact, but he up. waved? Yeah, so like he, it was one of those where I was at the South Point. It was one of the first years of Easton's existence, and he was talking with Patrick Everson, who is a, another sports gambling reporter around town. And Patrick called me over and introduced me, and Ravel didn't even look up, Sam. He kind of just like lifted his hand and just went, hi. And like that was it. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to get out of here. Yeah, one of those noises. So, yeah. Make sure you tell him I said hi. Because yeah. he does follow me on, I will. on Z. He does follow me on Z. So, <laughs> Is there going to be a uh, sports betting Hall of Fame? Yeah, that's the uh, the big surprise. I don't know how many names I can tell you uh, before somebody puts a gun to my head. But I know that uh, you know Jackie Gone is in, who was the, the father of the first sports book uh, in Las Vegas. So he's going in. Billy Walters is going in. And and Spanky and Billy are going to do a uh, a one-on-one interview on Friday wow. at the Circa. Lefty Rosenthal is going in. Roxy's going in. And nice. those are four pretty big names. Oh, I yeah. believe the class has ten people. So uh, the full list will come out, I believe, next week. Uh, you can follow Bet Bash on Twitter and Circa on Twitter. But I'm looking forward to it, man, because, you know, I, 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 I take a lot of crap on social media, as you know. And I'm sure a lot of those people will be at Circa. Yeah! And I promise you, nobody's going to say a word to my face of course not. when they find out I'm 6'2", 225 pounds. Nope. You're, you're, a, you're a powerful, menacing figure. You're an intimidating <laughs> well, I, mofo. I wouldn't go that far. I'm not, I'm not going that far, yeah. but it's easy to talk smack from your basement. You know I'm, what I mean? Yeah, I'm 5'4", 470 pounds, and no <laughs> one says anything to my go. face. So, so <laughs> they don't say anything to anyone's but, face. Um, if you were – I'm sorry, John. If – I don't know if a, uh, a media, a radio, TV, uh, even a tout person is going in. I think there should be a place for those people because they helped build sports betting by you know being out there. Is there someone that comes to the top of your head that you would put in? No. Really? Well, I mean, look, I mean, define the word tout. I mean, I, like, I, I think got, there are people that have been tout. pioneers before they yeah. became tout. Yeah, you, like, got, I, you got stuck on tout. So let's say a gambling media voice. Dave Koken should be in. I love that. That's That was one of them I was going to mention. Um, you know, I also think a really intriguing character, and obviously it's you know very posthumous, is Jimmy the Greek. 
that's another one that obviously paved the way for people to talk about sports betting on nationally televised sports broadcasts. I mean, yep. this guy was wedging the point spread in on CBS in the 80s. So, yeah, you, you have to put him in there. I think eventually Uncle Brent goes in there. Um, those two, I can tell you, are not on the list this year. But this will, I, I believe, Spanky's going to try and you know, induct a handful of people. I don't know if you could do 10 every year because then you're going to run out of real estate right. and probably run out of candidates. But I've seen the list. It's a pretty good class. Ten people going in. I think five alive and five have, uh, have left us. And then maybe you go to, like, three or four a year after that. But, um, yeah, I, I think, look, and I'm, I, I love Dave Koken. I've, I've, I've drank next to Dave Koken. I think he's a great guy. But I think you sort of blur the lines when you start selling picks, and I think a lot of people feel that way. But Dave Kokins is a Hall of Famer before he ever starts selling picks. So I'm just going to hang out near the sports book during Bet Bash. You want to just come down and hang out when you're done? Of course. All right, there you I go. will tell you that they invited me to the after party, but then I had to pay for the after party, yeah, which I, I thought was interesting. Yeah, I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. I like you guys. I don't like you that much. That's my, that's my plan to take advantage. I'm just going to hang out in the bottom <laughs> floor of Circa, and then whoever just bleeds out when it's all done, I'll be there to network. You know what I mean? It's a four-hour after-party from 8 p.m. to midnight. What? And my panel is, I think, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. That's a long time to hang out, if you yeah. know what I mean. Especially at a, at a party where there's going to be a lot of hot chicks, too, I'm sure. Um, all right, I saw you retweet. That was sarcasm. Uh, I was quick, but it was sarcasm. Uh, I saw you retweet the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team tweet last night. Uh, very celebratory. Uh, over the draw, and uh, we actually spent about eight minutes at the beginning of the show um, really really hammering that attitude. Um, it's a weird deal, soccer, uh, when you're trying to bet it, when there's attitudes like that, when there's a draw culture. First off, the American women's team thinks it's better than it is. That's number one. Um, number two, that tweet was actually sent with, I want to say, five minutes left to go in the match or ten minutes left to go in the match, and it's nothing, nothing, and it's the most boring freaking soccer game I've watched in a long time. And the, the U.S. Women's National Team Twitter account tweets out, get loud, we want to hear you from your house. And I'm thinking to myself, nothing moves my meter than 0-0 zero, zero against a team you should be pasting yep. in, in group play. And that's the problem here. I mean, the bookmakers, you look across this country – the Americans are no longer favored, and rightfully so. Um, the older players look a step slow. The younger players haven't done jack in two matches. The coach is a moron. Um, okay. You know, they're still they're, they're talented enough. They have potential, but, dude, you can't score four goals in three matches. And, and, you know, Vietnam had never played in a World Cup before. You let Vietnam hang around for a half. Um, Portugal is not good. So I will say this. While they haven't been great, the Americans... They better bring that A game or that A minus game because it looks like, assuming Sweden wins tomorrow against Argentina, it's going to be USA Sweden. And FIFA says that USA women are number one in the world, which probably isn't true anymore. Sweden's number three, buddy. So if you struggled against Vietnam and Portugal and the Netherlands, Netherlands number ten in the FIFA ranking. You better freaking bring it against Sweden or you will not advance. Sam Paniotovich is up on Cofield & Company as he is every Tuesday on ESPN Reno and ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, Ad Nesson, are you guys adding more programming? I'm seeing something about Lunchline. 
Lunchline is our digital-only show, which is moving to the big screen. It's moving to the TV uh, next Monday. So, you know, we do the digital show on Nesson.com every day at 1 o'clock Eastern. That show will now be on TV. So it's sort of a promotion. Okay. Other big news today in the gambling world, well, at least from a sports gambling source, is Matt Humans, who used to be part of the ESPN Las Vegas crew. Uh, this is, I mean, it's, it's always... Oh, he's looked forward to his fast food list. Rankings. Do we have – you're right. Are they our rankings, not just a list. Um, do we have any issues with some of the choices? He's got Culver's 1, Portillo's – fast food – Portillo's 2, Chick-fil-A 3, and so on. Where are you on this list? I like Freddy's Steak Burgers in the top five. That's a very underrated place, and I think when I lived there, there was one right off Silverado Ranch, which I used to go to. It was like Silverado Ranch in Eastern. Does that sound right? Yep. It's a very good spot. Very good burger. Very good shake. I like Freddy's in the top five. Humans does a great job. It's not just about the rankings. It's about the posts that he makes. Unreal. You can read his. Yeah. Oh, my God. He, he, he puts paragraphs together. Yep. Yes. He probably spent, what do you think, JVT, like 12 hours on this post? Oh, uh, I would say maybe. Actually, you know what? I don't think that long because it just comes easily. Like Shakespeare writing, you know, Hamlet. <laughs> it just probably just flows. Um, so probably doesn't spend that much time on it, but he does. He, he does his research. Say, I mean, the other day we did a hit with him, Sam, and he was in the El Pollo Loco drive-through. So he is a man who is committed. He wrote. Uh, there was a blurb in there where he was basically saying, "Look, people have told me it's not healthy, but I didn't get COVID. I work out. I don't go to the doctor. I've been eating fast food for forty years. Nobody's more qualified than me." And I, I he's right. Think that's, I think that's factual. My big beef, and there's only one. No pun intended. My big beef is that White Castle is 20 spots too low. He's got White Castle at 37, and that's a travesty. I don't want to. What? You're not, you're not going to crap on your cohort? You don't agree with it? No, I just I – just, I, I don't want the powers that be to maybe listen. There might be some advertising opportunities, but I just – I would You're like always to say, thinking about it. He's always thinking about it. I would money, like to Sam. say that I agree with Matt Humans, and maybe I would disagree to the extent that it should be farther down. I'm just saying. Oh, wow. <laughs> but you're very careful. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah, uh, Matt. I mean, from a passion standpoint, didn't he write a letter to was it Arby's when they got rid of their pot roast sandwich? Yes, like he was so incensed. Like, who does that? Matt Humans does. Handwritten letter. Handwritten letter. <laughs> Matt Humans. Matt Humans is the king of fast food. Cofield, you know we need to know your number one. That's all the people care about. Who's number one on your board? Uh, well, he's got Popeyes at thirty-five. I love Popeyes. And, number uh, one. And we have. Thank you. We have Bojangles coming. So I, I we were talking about this yesterday because Whataburger's coming to town too. I'm much more a chicken guy than I'm a burger guy now. So any place with like awesome, you know, giant chicken sandwiches, I'm down with. All right. Well, the list does change every year. I, I notice the top three have mostly been the same every year, but unless humans gets wild, he's not going to change old faithful at the top. My uh, my top three: number one, Raising Canes; number two, Freddy's; number three, El Pollo Loco. Ooh, good choice. Good choice. Variety. Uh, let's close on this one because I know you got multiple bets on the White Sox. It just hasn't gone the right way. Um, did I miss? Um, what what did they do? What did the White Sox wind up doing aside from the Giolito trade? They traded the entire bullpen. They almost traded Dylan Cease, who almost won the Cy Young last year. They kept Luis Robert, kept Tim Anderson. Okay. But they traded three guys in the rotation in the last week or so. That, that team is, man, talk about a disaster. I mean, that was a, a World Series contender going into last season, and now they're going to finish 30 games under 500. But it's okay. I've jumped ship now. I'm a Padres guy now. I saw that. 
you are you're still buying into the Padres because the odds are there. We're up against it, Sam. We'll talk to you next week. Maybe see you in person. Maybe. See you then. All right. There he is. Sam Paniotovich. Yeah, I should look at – I actually hadn't even clicked on the uh, humans list, so I'll do that before the end of the show and come up with my my top places. I, you know, I was telling DeMond during a break yesterday, uh, even though I am portly and I talk about food and fast food all the time, I actually do not go and get fast food that often, so I'm far from an expert.